Hello and welcome to another session of African History Blog. This is the series of articles and podcasts that tell you about the history of Africa from the perspective of Africans. Our history has been told or imposed to us one way or the other. So today, on this podcast, we actually try to narrate it from our own point of view. Now, do not forget to subscribe, share, and like if you appreciate this content. We have been doing this for a while now. Um, there are previous articles and podcasts which you can go through to get a bit familiar with the kind of content we're sharing and see if it's adapted and suited to you. Hopefully, it will be. Now, today we will be talking about the origin of bad leadership in French-speaking African countries, which, believe it or not, is a plague that has been infecting the continent since the dawn of independence in the late 1950s. Today, actually, we are going to be taking some examples from specific French-speaking countries to explain the origin of the horrendous leadership we find around the continent Till today in 2023. Now, from what I have understood from my own research, uh, uh, my own meticulous research, I understand that nearly all African countries, if not all African countries that are experiencing bad governance to this day, the problem arises from one specific problem. The people who got into power were not the ones who fought ardently for the independence of the country. Were not the ones who bled and toiled and moiled for the independence of their country. Because those people who died or who fought ardently for the independence of their country, they loved their country. They loved the citizens of that country. They loved their people. They loved their nation. They loved their ethnicity and their affiliations to Africa. They had fierce, fierce love for African people. And as a consequence, they were willing to lay down their lives for the betterment and the improvement of Africa. Now, the problem arises when, after independence, most of these people were either killed or thwarted from achieving their full potential from realizing their dream of making Africa the biggest continent in the world. Those people, they didn't actually get the chance, most of them. Now, the reason for that is that, as we have understood in our past articles and podcasts, there are always people who do not want Africa to stand up. And this did not start today, like I said. This started even before colonialism, during colonialism, and now during the phase where we entered after independence of neocolonialism. Now, you need to understand that the people who instead took power were very, very well molded and crafted by the former colonial countries to be doing their bidding. So, that was one of the major sources. And I'm going to be speaking with examples so that we are going to understand the origin practically as to why the plague of bad governance is still destroying the continent as of today. After independence, countries 
French-speaking countries, notably, uh, like Côte d'Ivoire, uh, uh, Upper Volta, currently known as Burkina Faso, uh, uh, Senegal, and a lot of others, were actually led by people who were crafted by the French. I'm going to start my intervention with Côte d'Ivoire. After independence of Côte d'Ivoire, in 1960, the president who came into power was called Félix Houphouët-Boigny. Félix Houphouët-Boigny was actually a member of the French parliament for 13 years. He was part of the instrument, part of the system that was oppressing Africa, that was oppressing his own brothers, his own citizens for 13 years. He had been molded and crafted into that position. And at the dawn of independence, they were like, you know what? This guy always understands our system. He's going to be close to us. So we're going to put him into power. So immediately after independence, Houphouët Boigny took power in, in, in Côte d'Ivoire. And without surprises there, his policy was the closest thing you could find, you could find from France. It was, he just like copied and pasted practically everything. The system of governance, the constitution, the, the judiciary system, every single thing was a copy and paste, was a replica. And he was very close to France throughout his term till he died in power in 1993. So this guy, he did not look for a way to get out of the colonial system like the people who fought for independence wanted to, like the Pan-Africanist dream was. He didn't want any of that. He just wanted to photocopy what France had given to him. And as a consequence, the colonial currency is still in Côte d'Ivoire till today. A lot of things that you find like that are still there till today. Source of bad leadership. He was a terrible leader to the Africans in his country. The second example I'm going to take is Maurice Yameogo, president of Burkina Faso, after independence, Maurice Yameogo was ousted from power in 1966 because the people were already tired. You need to understand that the people who wanted independence was because the colonial system was not working. So having a replica of the colonial system is always going to bring some disgruntlement. Maurice Yameogo could not stay in power. The people could not allow it for long. The people of Burkina Faso, Upper Volta back then, could not allow it for, for long. So he was ousted by a military coup d'etat, which actually brought a little bit of chaos in the country for a while until 1984, when a young military captain actually took power and had the dream of shifting away from France from the colonial methods of governance and everything, he actually changed the name. He went as far as changing the name of his country to Burkina Faso, the country of men of integrity. This young captain was called Thomas Sankara. And for his few years in power before uh, the coup d'etat that was backed by France and some other French-affiliated uh, African countries, he actually did some level of reforms that were never seen in Africa before, agriculture, feminism, and all of that. 
you know you know what thomas sankara he's going to have his own special podcast in 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 the coming in the coming days we're not going to uh, lie on him so that was the fate of maurice uh, 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 yamiogo the people were disgruntled because he did not want to change the colonial system so that was the source of bad leadership and after sankara died they went straight back to it with blessed compaore who killed his best friend sankara and took over power now we're going to talk about somebody who uh i would say was probably the worst amongst all of them and the reflection of what he did the reflection of the ills he did towards his own brothers is still seen till today in his country we're talking about senegal here and we're talking about a highly acclaimed scholar a very brilliant man who just chose the wrong path to be brilliant on in my opinion I'm talking about Leopold Seda Senghor, president of Senegal after independence. Just like uh, Houphouët Boigny, Leopold Seda Senghor actually served in the French parliament for 13 years. And he was actually also a minister for Charles de Gaulle. He was advisor, he was minister advisor to, to Charles de Gaulle, the French president, till 1958 before independence. And this guy he also did a copy and paste of the french system in senegal every pan-africanist dream he thwarted he didn't want to hear anything about pan-africanism he was he he was against his own very very close friend before independence um modibocator of uh of mali we're going to get to that but leopold seda senghor he put in place institutions that were there to preserve French integrity in Africa after independence. It was like Senegal didn't matter to him at all. More, he was more focused on his on maintaining his good relationship with France. He wanted some level of assimilation, a colonial method of governance that was practiced in France in his countries, where they were trying to make more Africans like the higher class of africans were the africans that look more than you more like europeans you know that's what he was trying to implement in senegal similarly he never actually got loose of the he never actually lost the leash he was on the leash till he died this guy was one of the major problems of senegal until today you still see it with the current senegalese president they cannot dissociate themselves the level of stockholm syndrome amongst the leadership of Senegal is terrible. And as a consequence, these people, they prefer taking some bribes behind to bring the most arbitrary rulerships you might find in Africa on the behest of France. Leopold Seda Senghor, like I said, highly intelligent, highly brilliant, highly acclaimed. You need to give him credit to some extent because of the fact that he, he actually managed to be a minister, advisor in France in a period of colonialism. That's that, that's that's somebody that has to be brilliant. But your brilliance, if it's at the service of the colons and not at the service of your people, then it's just wasted. So these people, you see that there is a pattern, you know, and that's not that's not even the. I'm just I'm going to uh, uh, highlight a couple more of them. For you guys to understand that there was a pattern in this thing, look at Mobutu. 
president of the Democratic Republic of Congo, formerly known as Zaï, uh, Belgian Congo, French-speaking country, because Belgium speaks uh, French. You know, this guy, he, he was put in power by the Central Intelligence Agency of the United States, by the CIA. And this isn't a conspiracy theory. This is actually a, a public information by the declassified documents uh, about uh, 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 the assassination of Patrice Lumumba. You can check it or you can refer yourself to my previous podcast where I spoke about Patrice Lumumba. You'll find it in the previous podcasts. So these guys, they actually made a plot to kill Patrice Lumumba. You know, Congo is the world's richest country in terms of minerals. That's, that's unarguable. These are facts. The world's richest country. Every single mineral that you want. The most lucrative minerals on the planet are found in Congo. And as a consequence, like I said, since the wave of independence was inevitable, one of the people they were trying to mold into power was Patrice Lumumba. Patrice Lumumba, he actually was highly educated similarly. And when he came back, he was actually one of the people who fought for the independence of his country. He was not assimilated. They tried to assimilate him and failed. They tried to bring him to, to Bruxelles to expose him as the, as the symbol of the success of colonialism and the Belgian policy in Congo. But Lumumba was having none of it. So he went to Brussels and when he came back, he took a U-turn on them and started leading manifestations against the administrative colonial uh, 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 powers in Congo. And he was so much a thorn in the flesh that eventually they could not stop him because of the level of popular support that he had. So the best they could do was make him prime minister. Well, when I say make him, I mean he was voted prime minister. And... For once in that era, the Occidental powers, the Occidental countries were afraid that they were going to lose the control of the mineral-rich Congo because Lumumba actually had a policy that Congo was, was the one who was supposed to control the, the, the resources of its country and it was supposed to be benefited by the, the Congolese people. And they were also afraid that he was going to have affiliations with Russia, which was not the case. Lumumba was not a communist. He was not a capitalist. He was a Congolese and he wanted the interest of the Congolese people. He did not want to be told who he was supposed to align with or anything of the sort. So as a consequence, a huge plot was made to assassinate him and they succeeded. President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed to the CIA a budget of 100000 Dollars, which was a huge sum at the at the at the time, and delegated it to the president. No, the director of the CIA back then, uh, Edgar Hoover, and they made a plot to assassinate uh, Patrice Lumumba. That failed, but French and Belgian mercenaries actually used Mobutu Seko Kokobendo Mwazabanga, Joseph Desiré Mobutu, a young a uh, 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 military man was used to kill Lumumba, take power, and no need to precise. Mobutu's uh, 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 reputation precedes him. He is, if not the one of the, and it's a really close margin, worst 
leaders Africa has ever seen. I'm not minting my words. One of the worst oppressive regimes. He's actually the, the, the reason why the term kleptocracy was invented. That means ruling by theft. The amount of money that these guys stole from the Congolese people is hard to calculate even. Very hard. You cannot even imagine how much. And he was in power for so long. He was in power for really, really long. The guy, he was the source of every single misery that the Congolese people have till today. He was a horrible man. And he died when Joseph Kabila chased him out of power. And he did not see one to relinquish power. He was in the 90s. If I'm not wrong, around 1997 or something like that. When he was ousted from power. The guy was a horrible man. The, the symbol of bad leadership in Africa. That was him. I think a lot of people actually took a leaf out of his book. Because the level of leadership in Africa right now is, hor is horrendous. Like I said. Anyway, let's not, let's not stick on him. Let's actually come back. For me, you remember, I'm showing you guys a pattern of how uh, 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 bad leadership originated in Africa because the people who were supposed to be in power were either killed or ousted. Uh, I am going to come now, we're finished with Congo. I am going to come now to the case of Cameroon. A very peculiar case in my opinion. Because in 1949... The Union de Population du Cameroon, the UPC, Union of Cameroonian Population, a political party was formed and the aim of that political party was independence now. There was a young African nationalist who took control of that party. He was the secretary general of that party and is one of the fathers of independence of Africa, but one of the less known ones. And he is less known because he didn't get to accomplish what he wanted to accomplish for reasons which you guys are going to understand in a couple of minutes. And in fact, this guy also, he, be, he deserves his own podcast. We're going to come to that in the, in the, we're going to think about how to make that in the next, in the next sessions. I am talking about Ruben Umnyobe. Ruben Umnyobe, Cameroonian nationalist, like I said, he fought ardently for the independence of his country, Cameroon, against France. In 1955, when his political party, the UPC, was banned, they went underground, formed what is called the Maquis. They were like military wings uh, underground, fighting, using guerrilla warfare to fight against uh, uh, the colonial administration. They fought him for long, and for a long time he was chased, him and the other members of the party. In 1958, in 1958, uh, Umnyobe was killed in the forest, killed by the colonial administration constituted of uh, uh, Senegalese, mercenaries, and uh, from different African countries. This guy, he was killed, and the person who was in power at that time in 1957, there was what they called la loi cadre. This law was actually there. So that Africans can have like some sense of taste of independence before actual independence. So in 1957, they appointed André Marimbida as Prime Minister of Cameroon, who was supposed to have administrative control over the country and actually held the same functions as the President of the Republic, except he was sort of answerable to France still. 
André Marimbida, he was a complete, a finished product of the French administration. Except a year later, in our 1958, he started becoming stubborn. He took a U-turn similarly and wanted more autonomy for the people of Cameroon. And as a consequence, the French administration destroyed him. They made all of his ministers to resign simultaneously. And when he wanted to constitute a new government, he was told he has to step down. That was against the laws, but he was told to step down, forced to step down actually, and he did. And as a consequence, a radio technician, a radio technician who looked like he could actually do the bidding of France was put in his stead as Prime Minister of Cameroon in 1958. His name was Amadou Ayejo. Amadou Ayejo went on to become the first president of Cameroon. A product of France who was just put there because he looked controllable. He didn't have the brightest of, of studies. He wasn't the brightest student or anything. But he was, he was somebody that you could manipulate. And they capitalized on him. Amadou Aejo became the president. And you know after independence normally. All of the people who fought for the independence of the country. Should sit down at the table to decide how to go forward. But no, that's not what Aejo did. Aejo continued the policies of France. Especially against the UPC. Who were the ones fighting for the actual independence of the country. Who were the ones that put pressure. Who were the ones that actually went to the United Nations National Assembly, Umnyobe went there in 1952, to actually argue the case of Cameroon that it should be granted independence and actually give his life as a symbol, as a martyr for the independence of the country. Somebody else was put in his stead. And when Aijo got into power, he continued hunting down the UPC members, killing them one by one in the most brutal manner as you can imagine, until 1971 that's 11 years after independence you are independent you have the country of your own why are you still doing francis bidding in 1971 he killed the last one of them ns one by public execution this just shows you to the extent the extent to which these people who were put after independence were puppets had no mind of their own and were just following instructions that were given to them by their supposedly higher authority in a country that is supposed to be sovereign. There's no need to mention that he had, he had of course, close diplomatic links with, uh, with, 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 with France. And he resorted to France for practically everything, defense, uh, uh, economic situations, and every single thing. And the post-colonial agreement, of course, uh, adopted the franc CFA, the colonial currency that is still used in Africa till today. Scandalous. These are examples, these are patterns, and you can find many more of them in Africa. That's like the whole history of the African continent, and that's why they do not have autonomy because these people they have the need to maintain Africa down, to continue exploiting. So that the Africans are not actually going to be focusing on the major societal problems like human rights and all of those. When you don't have food on your plate, the last thing you're thinking about is about uh, uh, rights and duties and all of those kind of things. You just want to see the next day. Anyway, 
uh, there was still some level of hope somehow because not every African uh, 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 country, French-speaking country, actually gave in to those. There were some that resisted more fiercely and they actually got rewarded to some extent by having the right people take power. The first example I'm going to use, I don't need to bring in Kwame Nkrumah because he was not from a French-speaking country, but obviously the whole world knows about Kwame Nkrumah and his exploits. Uh, I'm going to talk about somebody who was actually much closer uh, to Kwame Nkrumah. I'm talking about Sekou Touré, Ahmed Sekou Touré, president of Guinea, first president of Guinea. Ahmed Touré, he fought for the independence of his country, just like Umnyobe fought for the independence of Cameroon. Ardently created syndicates to fight against, to fight for independence since the 1940s. Immediately when he finally became president, despite the struggle of France, he became president against all odds and immediately he severed all links with France. Every single thing. He was like, he does not want to depend on France for anything, whether defense, economically, judiciary, any single thing. He did not want to have anything to do with them. And as a consequence, France was like, all right, you want to get away from us, we're going to take everything that we brought, in quotes. So France started waging an economic war to destabilize the country economically. They started, spreading, they started spreading fake banknotes in the country. They started destroying infrastructure, destroying the plumbing, destroying administrative buildings and every single thing. It was a literal... Uh, 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 economic war. Now, Sekou Touré, he still struggled to do what he could to maintain the country's balance and all. And he was friends with a lot of Pan-Africanists. I'm sure that's what gave him most of his strength. He was friends with Kwame Nkrumah, of course, very close. Uh, he was friends with Malcolm X, uh, civil rights movement leader in the United States, and Stokely Carmichael of the Black Panther. Stokely Carmichael is actually a very close friend of Sekou Touré, to the point where he actually came and started living in Guinea and adopted the African name of Kwame Touré. One of his most famous quotes, Ahmed Sekou Touré, was that Nous préférons la pauvreté dans la liberté à la richesse dans l'esclavage. Which means, we prefer poverty in freedom than riches in slavery. He was referring to the other countries who had bent the knee for France after independence and everything that was related to that. He said he preferred to be poor, but as a Malian who has autonomy over his country, than to be rich and be another country or another person or the leader of a country, but you have to answer to someone else. That shows that there was literally no sovereignty in a lot of African countries. A respectable man, Ahmed Sekou Touré. Another example, of course, is going to be Modibo Keita of Mali. Modibo Keita actually fought for the independence of his country ardently and against all odds similarly became the president of Mali. Modibo Keita had huge Pan-African dreams, very, very huge. He was a Pan-Africanist and he actually separated completely from France after independence, just like Sekou Touré had done. Modibo Keita adopted a socialist strategy uh, 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 in his country. Also, as a countermeasure against the colonial currency, the, the CFA franc, he adopted what was called the Malian franc back then. And uh, France also found a way to sabotage it, injecting a lot of fake notes, uh, 
destroying uh, convoys of food uh, and supplies for the country, uh, destroying uh, uh, administrative buildings similarly and all. They did their best so that the country could not be stable economically. And as a consequence, the level of insecurity in his country became very high. I think it was actually the source of the, the, the Sahel conflict, one of the sources, the, the, the primary sources of the Sahel conflict that we have in, 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 in Mali right now. Insecurity. Now, uh, because of the unrest in the country, he was overthrown by... In 1968, he was overthrown by Moussa Traoré, a brutal dictator who was backed by France. Very, very brutal. He had a very close relationship with France. It was so brutal that Modibo Keita himself was imprisoned in 1968, and he died uh, of brutal treatment in prison in 1977. And the system was so repressive. Modibo, uh, Moussa Traoré, like I said, he ruled for, for, for 22 years. There were so many people that were killed under his administration, under his military dictatorship. Uh, uh, the leader of students was killed, brutally tortured. Uh, students were murdered massively, and a lot of things that went wrong. So that was their own handle of bad leadership, and it actually continued after that. You see that a cycle is perpetrated in most of these countries. Either the people who had to access power did not get to access the power. The people who loved their countries did not get to rule the country despite them having, despite them fighting for the independence of the said country. Or a puppet was put in place after independence so that uh, 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 they could maintain close affiliations with France and continue oppressing the people one way or the other. Or immediately when somebody who was supposed to be there took power, they did everything to make sure that there was economic lacunas in the country. So, these people, they made sure that Africa remains where it was. The biggest problem of Africa is bad leadership. That's one of its biggest problems. There are several. But one of the biggest, one of the major ones is bad leadership. Because the people who are in power do not like the people. They do not feel for the people. They cannot die for the people. They cannot put themselves in front of bullets for the people like the others did. They just want to be enjoying the power. They want to be brutal. They want to feel that they are in control when they know that they are not and when somebody else is in control for them. And as a consequence, Africa remains down. They make sure that we maintain a consistent level of poverty so that we don't get to ask the real questions. We don't get to question them. We don't have time to revolt. We don't have time to do any single thing because we are too poor. We are too hungry to actually do anything so this brings us actually to the end of our topic of today i hope that it was edifying for everybody so that you can actually get some historical understanding as to where this level of bad leadership is from and why you know it's okay we might actually blame france and all the other uh, uh, former colonial countries for doing what they, they, they did of course but at the same time, we also have to blame the African leaders, the Africans who turned their backs on their brothers and sisters. Who turned their backs in such a way that they do not feel any sympathy or love for their brothers and sisters. They just want to maintain the power and wish themselves, kill people, feel like they are on top of the world. This is ridiculous and it's so ridiculous that 
we still have summit country continent every year all african leaders leave their country to go to the united states for a summit that i don't even know what they're talking about a very pointless summit all of these things are consequences of bad leaderships because you rarely see them leaving their own countries to come over here or any single thing should we blame ourselves should we blame our leaders perhaps there's a lot of lessons to be picked out of here but the point is to inspire the younger generation so that we should not repeat the same mistakes thank you for listening to african history blog podcast and please do not forget to make a donation to further my research to further our research so that we can get much more insights access some documents which we do not have the 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 the, the finances to access and or uh, you can donate make donations through paypal or write to me and i'm going to tell you how to proceed or anything if you're interested make sure that you follow like and subscribe if you like our content and take care of yourselves out there